Welcome to Span Reads, not your typical rereads podcast, a 17th shard series where we reread Brandon Sanderson's works and are giant nerds about it. Today, we are talking about Skyward relationships and characters. Joining me is Ian. Hey, I'm your writer. Jesse. Hello, I'm Lady Lameness. Eric. Hey, I'm Cass. And I'm Mish, Michelle, or First Rainbow Rose. This is a warning to our viewers and listeners that there will be full spoilers for all Skyward novels, excluding Defiant, and the Skyward Flight novellas from this point. So, characters and relationships. We touched on a, a little bit in the last episode, but I think we can all agree that to start with, Mbot is amazing. Mbot is amazing. And I think this is yeah. good to start with because in both Starsight and Cytonic Reactions, we continually don't talk about Mbot enough. So that's actually good to do. I love Mbot. I think he, I said in the last one, Kimmelin is probably my favorite character. I lied. I think Mbot is my favorite character because I, I love, especially, you know, towards the end when he's like, I overwrote my command. I'm, you are now my captain. But I love the mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. I need to have some eccentricities. <laughs> He's really fun. I really like him bot mm-hmm. a, yeah. a lot. And their relationship is really good. And and you're just so sad when Mbot's like, yeah, no, you're gonna take me to battle. I'm shutting down. It's like what? Yeah. No, you can't do that. Especially the scene where she's like, she calls him up and she's like, no, Mbot, I need you. And he just radio silence and you're just, your heart breaks. Brutal. And it's, Brandon has like described part of the like, inspiration for the series is a riff on the boy and his dragon series. Mm-hmm. Like this is the girl and her starship. Yep. So like Mbot being Deuteragonist, I think, is the secondary main character term. Sure. Look at you pulling out fancy terms. Correct me if the comments in the comments <laughs> Comment if I'm wrong about that. <laughs> like or dislike this video. But yeah, like he does bring such life to this story. Because like the dichotomy of the human girl who is totally bloodthirsty. <laughs> Or, like, vocally bloodthirsty. Like, she's not actually... No, she's not. ...that enthused about combat. She just puts on bravado. She just wants to fly, which makes sense. And then her starship, who just wants to collect mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The nerdiest introvert and the extrovert. Kind of. Yeah. 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 And you also kind of need that character because this book is a pretty serious book. I guess it's pretty. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty brutal. So having Mbot just be like, yeah, I'm just off the wall. Crazy is is very fun and important. Not that the other Skyward Flight characters aren't fun. Like there's quite a few funny lines throughout, yeah. but not necessarily like a comic relief character. Whereas he's yeah. kind of meant to be the comic relief yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of the human characters are dealing with the way of yeah. they're facing extinction, which he's not part of that. Yeah. Humans dealing with grief. I've read that this happens. So <laughs> let me do this really off the wall thing that mm-hmm. realistically makes no sense. I jokingly refer to him as the autistic mbot because yeah I can, I can see that vibe for sure it's like 
Oh, I wrote a whole subroutine to express my outrage. <laughs> so funny. Mm -hmm. Or like with the dissertation on like humans being like crazy or whatever. It's like, oh, yes, there's extensive writing about it. I just did it over the past 12 hours. There's like 7,000 pages. Like you just came up with that. Okay. Yeah, and it's you like you, the same boss. sentence over and over and over again as well. Mm -hmm. It's like humans are crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so good. So I have a bit of a controversial opinion. Oh, okay. Okay. Ooh. Ooh, I didn't go. like him, but initially. Oh, I do wow. now. Uh, by the end of my first read of Skyward, I did like him, but, but mm -hmm. it, it's weird because it comes back to expectations, right? Like, first time reading Skyward, the setup of where the Defiance are at technologically and the fact that they have lost basically all space flying capacity meant that I was not ready for a talking <laughs> spaceship, like, at all. So, so I was really thrown for a while, and it took me a lot of the book to get used to actually enjoying Embot as a character, because the fact that I wasn't expecting him and then he's a comic relief character on top of it, mm, that sure. was a lot to deal with. Uh, whereas now I find him very funny, but it, mm -hmm. it's just definitely that thing that I remember thinking back to. And like he comes up so quickly as well. So I don't even know why I had such a strong like idea of what I thought where the book was going it's like chapter five or something well he shows up but he doesn't start talking right so the talking's later yeah yeah mm, true so like i think i think that's part of it yeah i think it's reasonable like oh there's this like seemingly like super advanced crash ship and you get that for a little bit before you he actually starts talking that yeah it's reasonable to form different expectations than what you actually get yeah 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 i think it's helpful if the series is pitched to him as the girl and her uh, spaceship. Then well, it's like, I okay, cool. that is the thing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, well, it's just like like the boy and his dragon, right? Like Hiccup and his dragon. The dragon doesn't talk. <laughs> if the mean, dragon talks in Aragon. Yeah, about half the true. time the dragon talks. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah. I did always find Mbop funny though when. Uh, Spencer's like, no, they have like, they have some way to record this, and Mbot just like rambles off a thing. It's like, ooh, oh, there is this whole thing here, and then he can <laughs> see the whole battle. Oh, love him. Which like, the radio was a very clever way to get Mbot in the story when he's stuck in a cave for like mm -hmm. oh, the whole book. It's also a very good pulling together for the end to like get. Cobb and Embot and Spencer and everyone back together as well. Yeah. I'm still not entirely sure how he got Cobb. I gotta be honest. I have never understood that at all. Yeah. <laughs> I think Cobb just found that because um, she leaves the walkie-talkie like at the base, I think. And I think Cobb just finds it and sees that it's flashing. Uh, okay. And then he goes to answer it because it's flashing. He's like, oh, someone's trying to call me. And then there's uh, a voice on the other end of the line. Right, He's right, like, right, right. okay. And he does the very sensible thing that every like grizzled flight instructor ever would probably do and follows it to a cave in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And goes, this is perfectly safe, guys. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
the base is under attack and like they're fighting for their lives and it's this whole battle and he's just trekking across the desert following this random voice that i would love a short story now from (laughs) tom's point of view of just Because could you imagine the things that Mbot said to him? <laughs> sounds that, bonkers. You uh, wouldn't yeah. be able to explain what's going on. Like Mbot is not with it enough to be able to like sensibly sit down and be like, okay, we have to talk this through logically. <laughs> no. I think that is a part of the book that always threw me. I'm like, but how but but like and comes just like, well, I had the radio. I'm like, I mean, but I feel like I need a little bit more here. <laughs> yeah. like, it's, just- it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if this actually makes sense, but the rest of the ending is cool enough that I'm not going to worry about and, it. And it is really Too cool much. to have Mbot show mm-hmm. up like that. But it's just like, I just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what, what, how though? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think Brandon just wanted people to make certain inferences and didn't quite give enough there yeah to get people there yeah um speaking of Cobb, i just want to remind people his name is matt wait what i'm pretty yeah, sure his name matt. is matt his name's matt yeah. matthew cobb yeah 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 100 mongrel dms and i'm just like <sighs> that's weird i can't like Matt is just such a like my age and younger name. <laughs> it's that like I can't imagine grizzled old man named Matt. So so and there's Flight Squad. Me. We have Judy, Matt, and then we have Zine. <laughs> yes. Zine Nightshade. I will never get over Zine Nightshade. I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> <laughs> just how silly that name is whose call sign is chaser and doesn't match any of the patterns yeah for any of the other oh yeah because ivan's iron sides yeah you know well yeah. y- y- i y- mean Ch- chaser makes more sense than some of the other uh call signs at least yeah it's just, y- yeah drama that is very funny. I think this is probably one of those things where Brandon came up with Chaser first and then expounded the rest of them. And then the initial oh, uh, thing just didn't quite work. But he's like, nah, I still like it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Z- good old Z Nightshade. <laughs> I'd like to point it out for the viewers that yesterday while Eric was reading this entire book, he sends me a message while I'm in the middle of the NT. That's just Z Nightshade, a capital letter. All caps, faces in between. That, that's it. You want more do you need? And I do have to point out, like every other like human named character has a normal name for at least one language on Earth. Yeah. Where did Zine come from? <laughs> I don't know. Spencer's a little bit out there as well. That's true. Spencer is like close enough to Spencer that yeah, I'm fine. It's like with a it. perturbation yeah. of that. Yeah. I love just how Cobb was in this book. I I, I love the grizzled war veteran. Like it, it, who's mm-hmm. who like really cares. Oh, I love that trope. He 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 hits that trope to a T love it but I love I love Skyward Flight as well I was destroyed mm-hmm. when Hurl died because I 
I remembered Hurl and Spencer not getting along, but I had forgotten that they made up. They were wingmates and then Hurl died. I'm like, ow, Brandon, the stabbing. Yeah. Brutal. I forgot about Hurl. Like, like when like she first int- was introduced, I like, I don't remember this. Like I remembered Bim and I remembered Morningtide. Like Houdia, I'm like, I don't know who this is. <laughs> I actually forgot about Harold as well. You like, wrote until, the like, Coppermine she... article, Jess, didn't you? <laughs> Jess like, read this book until, like six like, times. Until she got her call sign. Like ah. when she got her call sign, I'm like, oh yeah, like no, I remember Harold. <laughs> so yeah. funny. And everything else about her character, totally See, didn't remember. I think Bim is the hardest one by way of the losses for me. Like. Just the fact that he has so much potential and he's like so bright eyed and is like, I'll get a call na- call sign soon. No, you didn't have a call sign. Yeah, he didn't even I, have a call I sign. just kind of assumed that he did and then he never gets one. I'm like, oh, oh okay. He didn't even get one. Well, yeah. Especially when it's like, oh, he was trying to flirt with me and Spencer was like, oh, you know, this is, he's kind of cute. Is thing. And it's like, this is dead. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think Brandon did a really good job of not making it obvious when reading the book who lives or dies. Like, mm. obviously, we know in yeah. the sequels, right? Mm. We know who lives and dies, but like, FM doesn't get a lot of character development for like most of the book. Like, she, she, she could have died at any point, right? Mm. Yeah. I, I think Brandon did a really good job of balancing uh, that and really making it uncertain who's going to live or die, ex- except Spencer and Jorgen. They're, they're going to live. Yeah. There's a moment that, and like the first time I read uh, the book, I remember it, this was like right at the end of the second page. So you had to flip the page to see what happened. And it stuck out to me on my reread as well, where Kimmelin's in trouble. And all I could think is Brandon's already killed two characters. <laughs> He better not kill Kimmelin now. <laughs> and I don't remember. I think that was actually, yeah, that's actually the fight that Hurl dies in. So, you know, <laughs> went super well. Um, nice. But God, yeah, like I, I was just terrified that like anyone would die. Yeah. Arturo is really funny as well. I, I love my, <laughs> Arturo, think, my favorite Arturo line. It's like, I could calculate the distance to that fight easy hey Cobb, how far is the fight away <laughs> love it so good <laughs> why should you read your work yeah and someone else already did it why yeah. I, i'm not doing that love it especially because like ned and arturo are like just described as jorgen's cronies like for, mm-hmm. for a bit and then it's like but, but mm-hmm. they're so fun so mm-hmm. i like that they don't stick with that for very long as well yeah. like i can completely understand why the spencer's like oh they're they're just jorgen's cronies and then both immediately like ned and arturo like in those starting scenes where they're doing call signs start getting personality and yeah. it's like you get it throughout the whole book and they become their whole, their own characters thinking about those two it's kind of funny because one of the big things early in the book is Jorgen becoming flight leader and him choosing, you know, his second in command and third in command, and he immediately chooses Sozu. And then I don't think anything is ever done with the second That's or true. third in command <laughs> positions. Like nothing comes Literally of it. Nothing. But she's so pissed off about the fact that nobody else is considered, and yet 
nothing happens. Like Cobb just has to ream her out. That's good. Yeah. Mm. Like, no, like they have hundreds of hours of flight time. How how much flight time do you have? Oh, zero. Sit down. (laughs) Yeah. Spencer needs someone to just like, okay. I get what you're saying. But like, Mm -hmm. we need to bring it. Bring it down. Breathe in. Breathe out. Because like he obviously believes in her. Otherwise, like she wouldn't have fought for her to be there. But also it's like, you need to understand that other people are also fighting in this war. It's not all about you. Spencer's arc's really good in this book, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I can definitely see why people find her annoying at the start. But like on a reread, it it, it was great. You know who I really enjoyed reading on this reread? Who's that? Judy Ivans. Yeah. Mm. She yeah. is such a fascinating character. Like, she clearly holds, like, a massive grudge against Spencer and her family mm. for what happened. And it's understandable why. But yet she's also, like, I do, she obviously made some pretty bad military calls, but she's also good at separating her own feelings out when she has to. Mm. And I just love the very end when they're all waiting to die and then she sees like that like solitary dot like go up on her monitor and it's like who is that and just starts talking with spencer and like you can get across that she is kind of in awe of the fact that spencer's doing this at all because she didn't believe in spencer even up till then like she still was like oh i thought you were gonna betray us and you didn't and i guess you're not well, and the scene there at the very end when she's like begging Spencer to come back instead of go to the stars is mm-hmm. such a different take on, you know, the entire rest of the book. She's like, nope, I will cut you down any way I can. And then she's like, no, 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 just, 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 just come back. And Spencer, I love the distractedness of Spencer's like, I don't have anything to fire, so I'll be easy to take out if I need. <sighs> well, like, it's interesting you bring that up because like Chaser asked permission yeah, and she's the one that gave it. I trust you. I think a lot of her issue with Spencer is that like, I think she probably blames herself for like, yeah. What happened to her friend? Yeah. Yeah. Like her friend went insane because like she gave the okay. I think what happened with Spencer and her family, like got, overblown because like her mother like wouldn't go along with the lie mm. mm-hmm. that like i think if like her mother had gone al- along with the lie like um judy like would not have been as antagonistic as she was but it's because it's like no like i'm trying to like protect your family and you're just not working with me i can't tell you that that's why you're i'm doing this so, but in that frustration just like festered into yeah. anger Seeing Chaser's daughter, like being Chaser's daughter in every way that matters, like I think that was painful for her. Yeah. She makes so much sense as a character going through this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's and it makes total sense that she's like, yeah, the defect, yeah, no, we need to chop that mm-hmm. out. Like, that's not good. Which like yeah. makes sense from her perspective. Mm-hmm. Like what a great anta- a human antagonist to deal with mm-hmm. in this book where it's like mm-hmm. it, it absolutely makes sense uh, and also I, I do just love 
Spensa, the, the whole scene when she's watching the Battle of Alta, Spensa, and she's like, oh, yeah, my father didn't run away. And then it, he comes back worse. and it's worse. Yeah. It's like, no, oh, no, no, yeah. we lied. The, the cover up was for your benefit, actually. It's like, oh, yeah. oh it's so good. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And like the, like just having Ivan as the interlude through character and like even that first interlude where she's writing out the the letters for the dead pilots and like Cobb comes after her and just the end of it where he asks her like would you have wished this like command position on anyone else and she says no and she hates it she hates what she has to do but she feels like like it's her duty she has to it's her duty <laughs> it's her duty, yeah. Um, uh, like she has to stand up and do it because they don't have people to do that, and she doesn't want to thrust it on someone else. Yeah, yeah. And like she's such a great example of like, being an antagonist is not the same as being a villain. Like yeah. she is not the villain yeah. of this book, but she is the antagonist because she is working against the protagonist. Yeah, yeah. And she is in an untenable situation. Like the DDF is fighting an unwinnable war. She's doing the best she can. Uh, and, and like she's like downright respectful to like Spencer in the cockpit. It's like, yeah, you get down that life buster. And, and Spencer's mm. like, I have to ram it. She's like, OK, yeah, do that. And just like there's there's not that antagonism anymore because it doesn't matter. Something I just remembered is until the pilot um, test Spencer doesn't know that Ivan's doesn't like her. And Spencer's like really holds her in really high regard. And it's only like from that point onward that Spencer's aware of everything. And then that was just this one line and I'd forgotten about it till now. But yeah, like she really looked up to Ivan's. Mm, yeah. yeah. Which like, why wouldn't she? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all these brutal moments in this book that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's what really makes this book really special. Yeah. On another character related note, I think one reason why I felt like the later books didn't match this one is that Spensa needed to like like it took a lot of effort to have Spensa be integrated in Skyward Flight. Uh, like that, mm-hmm. that was a big deal in this book. And I, I think that's kind of the thing why the later books feel different because like she worked so hard to to have this crew and then she's like i'm out so yeah it's like that's getting into the whole expectations problem yeah yeah whereas like this from your perspective like this was an ensemble book rather than like this is Spencer and Mbot book. And then there's all, but there's like some cool side characters, but like they're not important versus like, no, this is everybody's book. Cause like the other characters, like they do exist beyond Spencer. They don't really have stories beyond Spencer. Like mm-hmm. the only reason we know about them in this story is because of their attachments to Spencer herself. Mm-hmm. That's actually highlighted really well when they're all laughing. I think it's Kimmelin talks about like a story with a squirrel and everybody starts laughing and Spensa is like, I have no idea what's going on. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a great 
you know, couple of lines to illustrate that these characters kind of exist outside as related to Spencer. I don't know if I thought of it as an ensemble. I would more describe it as though Spencer and Mbot talked a lot, the people she was interacting with the most were the flight. Uh, I feel like. And yeah. so like given the amount of screen time and effort and like pulling at our heartstrings that this book does, like I think I think that's why I have that feeling. And I, I do still have that same feeling uh, on a reread like that didn't uh, diminish at all. Like you just you just grow very attached to those characters. Except the ones who died and it's so stressful that the other ones died, I think. Speaking of characters that uh, did not die, but uh, definitely start out a relationship, sort of, in this book, uh, Jorgen and Spencer, guys, yeah. who, yes. who, like, I guess picked up on it originally versus on reread, knowing where it goes, and because, like, I, uh, like, I could always see it. I was like, well, clearly, it's an enemies to lovers. It's right there from the beginning when she punches him. <laughs> I shipped her and Reg when I first started reading it, but I was because they're best friends. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's fair. It like when when you very first start reading it, uh, but by the end of the book, like her. When did I? start thinking of him as distinguished and like by the end of my first read through of the book i was like okay i'm down for her and i can't say his name right now suddenly but jerk face her and jerk, jerk face. face i was kind of spoiled on this mm. uh because this book came out in 2018 yep. um i went to an event where brandon was like earlier that year and i hadn't read skyward but people there had read skyward and oh, somebody mentioned about like, oh, like I like how like they're not together at the end of the book, but like there's like something that could be there. So like I went into the book thinking like, okay, oh. this is obviously going to be Endgame by the end of the series, obviously. Yeah. And like reading it, like it's super obvious. Like of course they're going to end up together. Totally blindsided me the first time I read the book because I'm an idiot. Uh, very obvious on a reread, like very yeah. obvious. It, like especially when Cobb was like, "Hey, no, don't flirt." So it's like, "Oh, okay." It's it's like it's like right there. It's right there. It's very yeah. obvious in this. So completely blindsided me in the first book. But I I do really like how their relationship evolved over the book. Like it is fascinating yeah. how that's worked because like it's not rushed. No, like, it happens very organically. Like they they get enough uh, head bashing, but also like Jorgen like protects Spencer when Spencer's like trying to turn herself in. Oh, it's it's good. Yeah, it's so good. She has all of these misconceptions about him that like as soon as she finds out like just how praiseworthy he's been about her, mm -hmm. like they just all get shown in a different light, and I just. The two scenes that I've always loved is like the one where he goes after her when she's going after Harold's um, crash ship and like they give Hal a burial and stuff. But also there's the scene where they're in like the hangar bay, I think, and like she just doesn't know what to do and she just like kind of collapses against him. And it's like, 
okay. <laughs> I don't know where this is going, but okay. And it was just like, it's a scene like that where you could take it romantic very quickly, but mm-hmm. Brandon didn't. And I think the relationship is better for it. Yeah. Yeah. I love like Spencer realizing that it's like, oh, even though he has all these, all of this like power, right? He he is like really shackled by it in a yeah. way. And that was really interesting to hear her learn about this. And really, really, this series really is about Spencer learning about people who are very different from Spencer, which like that I really like. That's it through. Yeah. And like the scene where he says like, oh yeah, like I'm going to be a pilot for six months. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be called away. And he doesn't and, want it. But it's so clear, like, he wants to fly. He wants to, like, help fight the Krell. Yep. But to his parents, it's all a political game. Yep. Yep. I yeah. also love the scene where she tells him, oh, yeah, I stole the energy sail from your hover car. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, that was you? I just, like, thought a maintenance guy came and took it. I'm like... <laughs> And he didn't think to follow up. Like, oh, no, he did follow up. And like, they made excuses because like they had no idea what happened. But it's just very like, funny. He's yeah. just on a totally different plane and just like not worried mm-hmm. about it at all. So good. Yeah. Knowing where it goes uh, with Jorgen and like his parents and stuff in the novellas definitely really hits home with his parents playing political games in this book. Like mm-hmm. that. True. That hurts. <laughs> very true mish you brought up rig uh i really like how spencer and rig's relationship went Mm. in this book because Mm. that was another like it didn't feel rushed at all it like had just enough time where like rig gets caught up with spencer it's like yeah of course i want to be a pilot like yeah that's so cool but then he's like oh what what do I want? And then he figures out what he wants and he's really good mm-hmm. at it. It's like, oh, it's so good. I love it so yeah. much. Yeah. Cause like that, that is kind of a trope of like the bombastic outgoing person kind of subsuming the quieter, yep. like more passive person, like into like their things. Like, no, like this is always what you wanted to do. It's not never been what I wanted to do. Well, and what I love about that in particular is a lot of the time when you see that falling out it destroys the relationship and it's thrown at the outgoing person it's no this is always what you wanted not what i wanted and rig is not that's not what it is at the end of it they're still friends they're still like spencer doesn't go and see him for a while because she's caught up in flight school but when she needs him she's he's there for her and mm-hmm. it's not a well, we're destroying, burning this relationship to the ground. It's just a simple no. Yeah. This isn't what I wanted. My parents only had one kid, but still I somehow have a sister who's always trying to get me into trouble. Love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With Spencer, like, being that, like, outgoing person who pulled Rick in to, like, pilot school for so long, she kind of does it again with Embot. Like, she's the one who pulls him out of bed at midnight to go work on a ship in the middle of a cave. And that's how he finds his passion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to an extent, there's also, I love the fact that to an extent, he wouldn't have found his passion if it weren't for Spencer. Yeah. Because mm. he does 
find his passion in building the ships and working on ships, but he wouldn't have found that if it weren't for Spencer kind of pushing him outside of his comfort zone. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Maybe he would have picked like engineering, like as a career, because like, he, but he had option. He had offers from a lot of different groups. Everyone. That, like, yeah. 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 He was a very smart kid who just didn't quite know which direction he wanted to go in. And which sometimes you got to get that hands-on experience before you make the decision. I don't know if any of us on that call, uh, on this call, or people in the comments can empathize with that at all. That that sounds completely no. baffling. That that doesn't sound like. Exactly. Knowing what, knowing what you want to do at the age of 17. What? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you for watching. You can find us at 17shard.com for all the news, discussion, theories, and fun you could ever want. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can subscribe on YouTube. And you can also support us on Patreon. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.